Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. From blending in with the moon and the starry sky to shimmering to reflect different colours, Squid can put on a great show. So how do squids produce all of these beautiful colours and iridescence? What chemical and proteins do they use to trigger off this process? Plus, we find out about bioluminescence in squids and how the relationship, the symbiotic one, between bacteria and squid enable these squids to blend in to the night sky. One of the most interesting things in the animal kingdom is when you have a symbiotic relationship between two species. This could be the relationship between birds and large animals on the plains where the birds clean off the large animals, think about rhinoceroses, elephants, or maybe sharks getting cleaned by all the various little feeder fish that live off them. That's an example of a symbiotic relationship, and there are many, ants and aphids to name a few more. But one in the water has fascinated scientists for decades, and this is to do with the Hawaiian bobtail squid. Because the Hawaiian bobtail squid isn't a large squid, it's around three centimeters in length, even when they get to an adult size. They're nocturnal, which means they hunt from dusk till dawn. Now, that's an interesting time, because if you're hunting nocturnally, well, you might need something to help you find your prey. And what they have is bioluminescence. Again, this bioluminescence is part of a symbiotic relationship between them, the bobtail squid, the Eupyrima scolopes, and a bacteria. The bacteria's name is Vibirio fishery. Now, this has been fascinating scientists for decades, but a new paper published in the journal MBio with lead authors Catherine Zink and Denise Ludwig under the supervision of Associate Professor of Chemistry and Biochemistry at UC Santa Cruz, Laura Sanchev, have been investigating the relationship between these two, the squid and the bacteria, and how this process is undertaken on a physical level from the very moment of birth of a bobtail squid. Now you might wonder why the Hawaiian bobtail squid actually has a light in the first place. Now it's not using it to shine a torch on prey, rather the opposite. It's called counter illumination as a strategy. It matches the glowing intensity of itself and the lights that it produces, which it shines downwards. And it does this to match the luminescence of the reflections of the moon and the stars. What this does is it eliminates the squid's shadow and masks its shape and silhouette. That is pretty amazing. Now, why the squid wants to do that is because if it can hide its shadow, if it can make its silhouette or make itself almost disappear, this is an amazing strategy to hide yourself from any bottom-dwelling predators that might want to snatch it up by tracking its shadows from underneath and then launching up at it. The same technique, though, also helps it disguise itself against its prey. Overall, it's a very elegant situation, an advantage in multiple ways. But the thing is, how does this luminescence really develop? Because when the baby squid are born, they don't have any bacteria. In fact, a juvenile bobtail squid is completely free of bacteria when it first hatches. So how does it gain this bacteria? How does it gain its luminescence? Well, if you watch a freshly hatched juvenile bobtail squid, you'll see that within a few hours, its light organ gets colonized by this really specific type of bacteria, the Vibrio fishery, and it starts emitting some light. Now, that's a pretty rapid turnaround and expansion in a bacteria. So how on earth 
does this take place? And that's exactly what these researchers were really trying to get to the bottom of because visualizing and understand the flow of this bacteria and how it populates and then generates the bioluminescence so quickly from a freshly hatched juvenile bobtail squid. And that not only is incredibly elegant and incredibly useful, but it's incredibly fast. When you think about this in another way, when a squid is born, it is born into the ocean, a sea. Now, the sea is not empty. It is full of all kinds of things, all kinds of different bacteria, thousands, millions of different types. So how do one specific type, and not just one specific type, but one that is perfectly suited to producing the bioluminescence? Because not all strains of Vibrio fishery are the same. So really only the specific strain of Vibrio fishery gets in there, colonizes the baby squid so quickly that it can produce the bioluminescence. Now that's incredible when you go into the details on it. And to track this process in real time, they had to involve, obviously, detailed measurement techniques. They used what they call imaging mass spectrometry, which enables researchers to directly visualize in space the distribution of molecules of all kinds of size, shapes, and samples. Now, this is important because other times when you want to track the chemical spread or track a particular molecule, you have to label it in some way. That means you need to know what you're looking for. If you just want to track the distribution of everything, well, it's a bit harder. But that's where imaging mass spectrometry comes in. You don't have to know what you're looking for, which makes it much easier to identify something which you're not quite sure of. So they can use this technique, as Professor Sanchez explains, to detect the chemicals and know where in the sample they are. Now, they identified a specific small molecule, dicytopapyrazine, DKP, which is part of the large family of cyclic dipetides. This particular one, DKP, or CHP-3, was directly detected in the light organs of this colonized squid, a squid that got all of its bacteria living on it. It was also produced more abundantly by the strains of the Vibrio fishery that showed this increased biofilm formation. Now, if the Vibrio fishery, the bacteria, is able to produce a biofilm faster, it will help it colonize the site on the baby squid more quickly. And if they started dumping in more of this particular molecule, CHP-3, well, they could actually boost the they could actually boost the amount of bioluminescence, and it scaled proportionally based on the concentration of this particular chemical. So this CHP-3 gets produced in the first few hours of the colonization process, and that really kicks off the symbiotic relationship between the bacteria and the squid. And it also boosts luminescence. So the ability for the vibro fishery to actually colonize the squid, get a foothold on this juvenile squid, and its ability to produce bioluminescence are both tied and both dependent on the presence of this particular CHP3. So it's an important chemical signal that is almost the chemical signal of this relationship, this process establishing between the two things. It helps boost the bioluminescence, which is the end product, but it also helps that Vibrio fishery find the right spot and get in-nested onto that baby squid. Enough time to actually get the bioluminescence happening. Now they just need to identify the specific genes in the baby squid that produce this CHP3, because that's what's leading to this whole trigger of avalanching effects to kickstart this symbiotic relationship. But it's a good first step to identify the actual chemical that's being used as part of the landing zone identification for the Vibrio fishery. Come here, develop here with your biofilms, and also to be as a marker for the bioluminescence or tied to the effectiveness of the bioluminescence itself. This is some great research from the University of California, Santa Cruz, along with collaborators from University of Illinois and University of Wisconsin. Now, this was published in the journal MBio, lead authors Catherine Zink and Denise Ludwig, under the supervision of the lab of 
Associate Professor Laura Sanchez. From a tale of bioluminescence in squid to the, the adaptive ability, the color-changing ability that squids and other cephalopods have. Now, this has been researched by University of California Santa Barbara professor Daniel Morse and co-author and collaborator Esther Taxon. Now, they've been working with Army Research Office-funded science to investigate the ability of squids to blend in, to change their color to hide themselves away and understand the exact mechanisms that the squids are using to create this camouflage and changing colors. And they've just published this in the journal Applied Physics Letters. As we talked about before, similar to what we we're discussing with bioluminescence, adapting into your environment with your color or your reflection is incredibly important, not only for evading predators, but also communicating to other members of your same species, for hunting. These sophisticated techniques the skin of squids is some of the most sophisticated, in fact, across all of the animal kingdom. Now, they do this with specialized pigment-filled cells called chromatophores that expand to expose them to light, and that can result in various shades of pigments getting colorized onto that skin. Now, one of the interesting reactions is, of course, when the skin of a squid shimmers with iridescence, shimmering and flickering through different colors. That's pretty fascinating because it's not like it's just picking one color. It's actually picking several and flickering with like an opal-like iridescence. Now, that's amazing and very fascinating, but the mechanism and why this squid is doing that is still trying to be understood. Well, we have an idea that maybe they're trying to do this to mimic the dappled and shimmering light of the upper parts of the ocean. Now, if you compare the top surface of the ocean where the light is coming in to the darks of the depths, well, you can see why it would be shimmering, changing as the top surface of the water moves and light bounces around. And so the squids trying to blend themselves into that background, they might have developed this flickering ability to blend into that scene. Now, how they're doing that has provided a lot more research over 10 years for Professor Daniel Morse. Now, what's fascinating about these squids is that they're not only able to tune the type of color of light that they produce, but also its brightness. That is pretty crazy to think about. Again, sorry, they're not producing the light. That's not bioluminescence. They're reflecting the light. But by choosing which light color to reflect, you're effectively changing your color. But just for the sake of clarity, you need to make that point. Now, what they use to do this is certain proteins called reflectants that they are also responsible for the iridescence. But the ability of the squid to tune not only the colour, but the brightness of the reflected light, something that required a lot of detailed investigation, because it involves a lot of structures on the skin itself that are working together. Now, Morse has previously published research on how the structures and the mechanisms by which the iridocytes, the light-reflecting cells in the opalescent inshore squid, the Dorotetheus opalescence skin, iridescent skin of the squid, can take on virtually every color of the rainbow. And the structure of that skin is what is enabling it to do so. Cell membrane 
of the squid skin folds into an accordion-like structure on the nano level. And they call this accordion structure a lamellae, which forms these tiny sub-wavelength wide exterior grooves. Now these groove structures are important. You can imagine them as Morse outlines, like the engraved side of a compact disc. But basically, they're a mechanism which traps light depending on the type of wavelength. The width of the groove sets effectively the wavelength. Now they can do this to effectively tune the color that they're after. Because by changing the shape of the spacing of these grooves, you would change the wavelength of light that will be absorbed or reflected. And that's what they're using to effectively select which type of light they want to bounce back. Now, the squid's erudicites and these lamellar structures, these accordion-like structures, are able to shift, widening and narrowing these grooves with a finely tuned, what they called osmotic motor. That motor, that mechanism that's expanding and contracting these grooves, compressing this lamellar accordion-like nanostructure, is driven by proteins, reflectant proteins, condensing or spreading apart inside that lamellae. Now, if you take some reflectin proteins and you're able to get them on their own, you can see the iridescent color change or approximate something like it. But they weren't able to see how this could produce the brightness changing response that they also had seen in the real life squids. Now, we weren't sure what, but something was amplifying, boosting that brightness. You could see how you could get the reflecting proteins in the structure to create the iridescence, but getting something to really boost it to make it quite visible, that was harder. And inquired further research. Now, what it ended up being was, in fact, the very membrane enclosing all of this, the reflectance, the lamellae itself. The structure responsible for the grooves that split lights into constituent color was also responsible for amplifying and boosting it. That means it's one tool doing all these jobs. And Moore said evolution has so exquisitely optimized not only the color tuning, but the tuning of brightness using the same material, the same protein, and the same mechanism. That means what is producing this iridescence and color changing and the reflecting and boosting of that light is all being done by the same things. It's a linked process, not a separate one. That is amazing to think about because that's really complex. Now, how does this all happen? Well, a squid sends out a pulse from its brain. Single neuronal pulse courses out across the squid's body. Now, reflectins are normally very positively charged. And when they're not activated, they look like basically things along a string of beads. Because they're charged, they repel each other, which basically spaces them out. But when a neural signal comes through, it pulses through, it causes the reflectance to bind negatively charged phosphate groups that then neutralize the positive charge, bunching them together without the repulsion keeping the proteins chemically separated from each other. They start to fold and attract. Basically, by having that neural signal come through, pulsing through this string of reflectin, it changes it and enables it to bond with things around it that then enables it to group up. Now, this accumulation to larger, larger layers aggregates up in this large structure of the lamellae. This then bends and squishes this accordion-like structure through this semi-permeable membrane. But ultimately, once you bend and squish this accordion membrane, you're gonna only can do so much before you start squeezing water outside the cell. The water gets squished out of the accordion structure and that then collapses the accordion so that the space between them gets reduced even more. That's what enables a light to shift from red to green to blue. As more and more squishing takes place, more and more water gets squished out, more and more bonding and jumbling of this structure. 
Now, at the same time as this collapse is happening, it's concentrating the reflectant, causing an increase in the refractive index. You now have something in there that's now got an increasing refractive index, which starts to boost the brightness. And actually, the osmotic pressure, the motor that's driving this whole process, is actually optimizing it so that it gets more pressure and more boosted brightness, depending on the type of neural signal coming in. Wipe away that neural signal, whole process disappears. It water comes back in, the thing contracts out, the positive charge is removed, and the reflectance separates out. Now, that means that it's not just one process that's taking place, but from that little spark of that neural signal, it's kicking off an entirely orchestrated dance of this accordion coming together, squeezing out, and boosting the brightness to try and boost the transmission of that particular signal. That means that this whole structure, this membrane, the squeezing of the water, this optimized pressure-based process, and the way in which the reflecting protein gets charged and grouped together once it gets a balance off that charge, well, it's a fascinating process that biologically is incredibly sophisticated. And evolution has done a real amazing job to get this developed in the squids. But why would the army be concerned about this? Well, because army, like other groups, are also interested in biohybrid structures and materials and coatings. The same things that can benefit an animal can also benefit a ship, a robot, a person, to protect soldiers and the equipment. And that's really the goal of the army here in funding this research as well. Because if you have something that's better able to blend in to the environment, that clearly has some advantages for them. But also as a general topic for research, there's plenty of times where you want a structure a material, some object, to blend into its surroundings on a purely civilian application as well. And the way in which these proteins, reflectance, are working in this complex lamellar structure to reflect, capture, and increase the brightness of the exact light that you want to bounce back is fascinating, able to produce beautiful sights, and is something that nature has developed on its own. That means that if you want to develop a smart material that does the same thing, well, you need the reflectant proteins, you need a complex structure that, but using a fine pressure-based process to tune and amplify it, and then you also need to have a membrane which allows water in and out in order to encase this whole thing. This is some great research from the University of California, Santa Barbara, published in the Journal of Applied Physics Letter by Daniel Moores and Esther Texan, to show just how complicated and beautiful the dazzling displays of iridescent creatures like squid can be, and just how hard nature's work to create such a finely tuned and optimised process. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Symbiotic relationships in squid and bacteria produce bioluminescence and the complicated chemical and membrane structures required to produce iridescent colours in the skin of other squids. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.